Good morning. I am David David Hopkinson, uh, your worship associate today. Uh, it's my pleasure to invite uh, uh, Michelle Nearly to join us today, as well as the intern minister at the UU Fellowship of Fredericksburg through the spring of 2021. Her pursuit of the UU ministry began a few years ago as her roles as yoga teacher and former wellness coordinator began to merge with her various roles at UUCC Glen Ellen, Virginia, Glen Ellen. <clears throat> uh, between her creative background and community building through teaching, Michelle leans into creative brainstorming and collaboration as empowering to a community's sense of interdependence. It's my pleasure to welcome all of you today to the Williamsburg Unitarian Universalists online worship service. If you'd like to follow along, follow along with the order of service, I invite you to visit wuu.org to download a copy. The link to join is next to the links to join in remotely. <clears throat> if you're not yet on our mail email list and would like to join to keep up with opportunities to connect, serve and grow, please fill out our online visitor form at wuu.org. Right underneath the link, that's right underneath the link to the download, to download the order of service. That's a lot of technology here. Uh, for our Zoom participants today, please note that at this time, you might want to change to speaker view uh, so that you have a better view of who is speaking, of whoever is speaking. Our AV technicians will be muting and, un and unmuting you as needed. And again, for our folks on Zoom, we invite you to stay after the service for a time of small group check-in and conversation. I have no uh, announcements today, so we will continue with music by Liz Wiley. My hands are ready and what am I gonna do? My hands are ready and what am I gonna do? My hands are ready and what am I gonna do? Oh, oh. My hands are ready and what am I gonna do? My feet are ready and what am I gonna do? My feet are ready and what am I gonna do? My feet are ready and what am I gonna do? Oh, oh. My feet are ready and what am I gonna do? My heart is ready and what am I gonna do? My heart is ready and what am I gonna do? My heart is ready and what am I gonna do? Oh, my heart is ready and what am I gonna do? My spirit's ready and what am I gonna do? My spirit's ready and what am I gonna do? My spirit's ready and what am I gonna do? Oh, oh, my spirit's ready and what am I gonna do? My hands are ready and what am I gonna do? My hands are ready and what am I gonna do? My hands are ready and what am I gonna do? Oh, my hands are ready and what am I gonna do? My heart is ready and what am I gonna do? My heart is ready and what am I gonna do? Again, welcome to all. We are happy that you have joined us uh, via live stream audio or video or Zoom. Whether you have come here seeking comfort, encouragement, or inspiration, you belong here, you are seen here. That is, even if you are joining by phone and we cannot see you physically uh, face to face. 
If you are a visitor today, we, we offer you a special welcome and a warm thank you for joining us online today. Now, in a moment, I'm going to invite you to say, to join in saying our welcoming words. Please, as you say these words, speak them to each other and know that we are connected across this cyberspace distance. The, the words I'm going to read are pasted in the Zoom chat. Uh, we're going to try once again to do this as a call and response. I'll say one line and you say it aloud wherever you are when I put my hands up like that. Folks on Zoom, we will unmute all of you, uh, which means maybe turn off your radio in the background uh, and uh, background noise if you can. Uh, we're going to un uh, uh, unmute all the participants today, 100 of you. So uh, um, we'll, I will launch into the, wel the welcoming words. Come, whoever you are. Whoever you love. Whoever you love. Whoever you love. Whoever you love. Whatever your image of the holy. Whatever your image of the holy. Your presence here is a reward. Presence, presence here, here, is, here, a here is a gift. Presence here is a gift. All are worthy. All are welcome. All are worthy. All are worthy. Welcome. Yeah. morning. We gather together this morning with the joy of being alive and connected, open to possibility. We gather together this morning with the pain of being alive and connected as we reawaken to the realities of a pandemic that has now killed over 100,000 people in the United States alone as we reawaken to the realities of white supremacy culture and institutionalized racism, which have once again killed African-American people and have spurred protests and riots. Let us call out the names of those lives lost just this month as we hold them and their families in our hearts. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Sean Reed. This morning, let us reawaken to our interconnection and our interdependence, which inherently opens us to this new day with wonder and discovery and action in the direction of shared healing. Amen. Now, please join me in saying the words to light our chalice. If you have a chalice or a candle handy nearby, please go ahead and light it now. Again, we'll unmute you and we'll do this as a call and response. We light this chalice. We light this chalice. For the warmth of love. For the warmth of love. For the light of truth. For the light of truth. For the energy of action. For the energy of action. And for the harmony of peace. For the harmony of peace. Peace in our hearts. Peace in our hearts. Peace in our community. Peace in our community. And peace in our world. And peace, peace in, our, in world. our world. What a beautiful um, chalice lighting. Thank you so much, Fred and Linda Bergman. I have a story for you today about the Stonewall Inn. 
And adults who um, had experience there, maybe in Greenwich Village at the time or something like that, if you have a story that is um, appropriate and you would like to share in the chat box, um, that would be a wonderful offering to all. And so the story, the title of this book is called Stonewall, a building, an uprising, a revolution. And I'd like to point out that this is a Williamsburg Public Library book and Natalie Miller Moore helped me pick this out. Thank you, Natalie. Two stables, side by side, more than a hundred years ago, we witnessed history. Then came a night when we became part of history. We were built in the 1840s to board the horses of the affluent, that means wealthy people, in New York City's Greenwich Village. Inside our brick walls, horses whinnied and hammers clanged. Outside, passersby bustled as carriages rumbled on the cobblestone streets. As time passed by, the wealthy residents began to move uptown, taking with them their art clubs, libraries, fine hotels, and theaters. Our neighborhood became a mecca for immigrants arriving from all over the world. Visitors made their way to Greenwich Village. Many of them stayed. Greenwich Village was changing. We changed too. The smell of freshly baked bread began to waft out our windows and into the neighborhood. The roar of automobiles replaced the rumble of carriages as artists and writers moved in. Contemporary art galleries, experimental theaters, and small restaurants sprang up around us. The village was becoming the creative center of New York City. By 1930, our two buildings were joined together and we became Bonnie's Stonewall Restaurant. Celebrities, artisans, tourists, and local residents lunched at our tables, shoulder to shoulder. Greenwich Village was a place where you could be yourself and where being different was welcomed and accepted. I've been told Greenwich Village is, was really the place to be. Newness thumped in the heart of Greenwich Village in the 1950s. Vibrating our windows, musicians played on the streets, jazz filled the air. Poets performed in restaurants, artists painted in their studios, and the beat movement arrived, and we witnessed it all. Leading up to the 1960s, our neighborhood welcomed gays and lesbians, men who loved men, and women who loved women. We were a home for people who were told that they didn't fit in or that they didn't belong. We had welcomed all kinds of people before, so we knew what to do. In 1967, we swung open our doors and became the Stonewall Inn. Gay men and women from throughout the city and the country came to meet old and new friends, free to be themselves inside our walls. Women and men, young and old, teenagers, transgender people, drag queens, veterans, business people, students, people of different colors, religions, and cultures gathered, chatted, laughed, and danced under our roof. Others were not so accepting. They thought those who gathered within our walls were too different. We heard the whispered voices of those inside. Loving someone like yourself was illegal. Socializing together could even get you arrested. Wearing the wrong clothes could land you in jail. Being openly gay could get you fired or kicked out of your home. Some nights we heard fists pounding on our doors, felt angry footsteps stomping across our floor, and saw flashes of glaring light as police arrested some of those inside. After each raid, those who hadn't been arrested left quietly, angrily, disappearing into the darkness. 
We stood tall, keeping open our doors and people kept coming. But the police kept coming too. We couldn't stop them. In the streaming, excuse me, in the steaming early morning hours of June 28th, 1969, under a nearly full moon, another raid began. Police, a voice shouted, we're taking the place. Officers stormed through the doors, lining up the people up, uh, inside, demanding IDs, detaining some and arresting others. This time, those not arrested didn't disappear into the night. Instead, they stood defiantly in the street and on the sidewalk under our rusty sign. This time, they weren't quiet. As the ones arrested were led to police cars and patrol wagons, the anger of the growing crowd was lit. Why don't you do something, yelled one woman as she was forced into a police car. Immediately, the spark of anger grew into a smoldering resistance. Shouts and screams echoed off bricks, fists thrust into the air. We saw the faces of the crowd and felt their rage. The Stonewall uprising had begun. The police, shocked by the defiance of the crowd, rushed back in and barricaded themselves inside. Our friends stood outside, trying to force open our doors. Our windows were shattered, smoke drifted through our rooms. We stood firm. Years of silent anger inflamed the crowd. The police called for help and it soon arrived. The fires were extinguished. The police came back outside, but the crowd's anger was not extinguished. Gay power, the protesters shouted. We want freedom. The police had never seen anything like it before. Neither had we. And it wasn't over. The Stonewall uprising continued on and off for several days and nights. A new day was dawning for the gay rights movement. The change had begun here inside our walls at the Stonewall Inn. On June 28, 1970, our windows looked out on men and women gathering to celebrate the first anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising. At first, hundreds marched, then thousands of women and men, young and old, teenagers, transgender people, drag queens, veterans, business people, students, people of different colors, religions, cultures, and their friends and families joined to parade through the streets of New York City. Say it clear, say it loud. Gay is good, gay is proud. See, they have banners. One of them says gay is good. Many things are different now. Some things have changed. Even some laws have changed. Now two men who love each other or two women who love each other can marry. We know. We've seen their happy faces snapping photos outside our door. We've heard their footsteps walking side by side along our floors and we've felt their love. Each year in June, people all over the world celebrate the movement for LGBTQ plus rights, a movement that has come so far and still has further to go. They celebrate inside and outside our walls, they celebrate freedom and they celebrate equality. It all began one night here at the Stonewall Inn when two old horse stables became part of history. And you may know that this is now a national monument because President Barack Obama made its one. So when we're able to travel again, if you ever go to Greenwich Village, visit the Stonewall Inn. And happy almost Gay Pride Month, everybody. Now with, with gratitude, we hold up all those who are working so hard 
throughout the country to care for those of us who are sick or dying and for those who are trying to contribute, contribute to solutions and healing and hope in these dark times. We pause also to, hold, to lift up members of our own community. Today, uh, we especially think of Larry Ventus, Raga Alem, but I invite you to take a moment and call to mind others who are particularly on your heart today. If you are on Zoom, I invite you to type their name into chat, into the chat, and uh, I will try to read the names uh, that you post there, if I can keep up with the uh, the deluge. Um, I'll try to get to everybody. Uh, <clears throat> let each of us all reach out in loving presence to draw this circle wide. Um, holding all these loved ones and with cares and joys, I invite you to add your own silent prayers and meditation. And now, amen and blessed be. So each Sunday, we make an offering from the bounty we are blessed to enjoy. We do so in a spirit of generosity and in recognition of our ongoing commitment to serve our world and share our values. If you are joining us for the first time, please feel free to give if you wish, but also know that your presence today is gift enough. Um, this week, uh, this week's offering goes to the Minister's Charitable Giving Fund. Your gifts this morning will help people in our congregation and in a larger community who need short-term help paying rent and covering other essential expenses. With your gifts, we are sheltering homeless people, paying utility bills in the cold of winter, and offering hope in times of despair. 
If you would like to give through our website, please uh, visit wuu.org and click on gift online to WUU. If you'd like to give by text, please text the dollar amount of your gift to the number 757-500-0688. That's 757-500-0688. And follow the prompts that you find from there. If you prefer to give by check, please mail your check to WUU. 3051 Ironbound Road, Williamsburg 23185. Thank you so very much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Williamsburg UU, for inviting me to be part of your worshiping community this morning. I am so glad to be here. It's been a tough week. And it's nice to be in community. Several weeks ago, when I wrote the little sermon blurb for WUU's service today, I posed the question of how we are to identify thresholds. I must admit that this was a challenge to myself. This month's theme of thresholds, even the term thresholds does not bring on the warm fuzzies. And after some investigating, I'm still not super comfortable with it, but maybe that's the point. Within its very word structure, and meaning it holds tension and inherently implies getting outside our comfort zone. It's that place or space between some kind of transition or transformation. With some transitions, we don't wanna stay in the threshold period too long or even wanna recognize it for that matter until we have safely crossed over to the other side. This pandemic holds some uncomfortable thresholds in which we can envision the other side offering a huge exhalation of relief. 
But thresholds aren't just uncomfortable. My husband pointed out to me, what about the threshold of being in love? Oh yeah, that's a, that's a lovely threshold, isn't it? Ah, in which we hopefully want to cross over into deeper relational understanding. Veils lifted. Theologian John O'Donohue writes about thresholds quite eloquently. Here I'm condensing what he says. A threshold is a frontier that divides two different territories. It cannot be crossed without the heart being passionately engaged and woken up. At this threshold, a, com a great complexity of emotions comes alive. Confusion, fear, excitement, sadness, hope. He goes on to say, it is wise in your own life to be able to recognize and acknowledge the key thresholds to take your time, to feel all the varieties of presence that accrue there, to listen inward with complete attention until you hear the inner voice calling you forward. Well, that sounds great, doesn't it? I mean, to find our key thresholds of our current attuned lives, Acknowledging the thresholds on which we now find ourselves, this week in particular, might feel like too much to bear. During a pandemic that has taken the lives of so many and greatly impacts us all, we are left questioning, what is this? What's going on? and challenged by the continuing oppressive forces of systemic racism and its devastating consequences, we might find ourselves feeling overwhelmed. When I go to that place of feeling complete overwhelm, I gotta take a step back and reflect, get present, come back to what I value most in this world and how that offers me hope and how it calls me to move. So today I wanna to share a way of being with thresholds that hopefully offers us the ability to be intrigued by our thresholds rather than overwhelmed by them. This is workable folks, even in these times. So let's first just look at the different varieties of thresholds uh, that they can take. As we heard earlier, John O'Donohue calls a threshold a frontier that divides two different territories. I also found the work of organizational consultant William Bridges helpful. His transitions model teaches that a transition consists of three phases, letting go of the past, the neutral zone where the past is gone, but the new isn't fully present, what we might call the threshold, and then making the new beginning. We might picture the threshold like a bridge between the ending and the beginning. Sometimes these thresholds, these transitions and thresholds are planned for. For instance, some larger scale thresholds like retirement as the almost retiree eagerly awaits for something new to open up on the other side of a long work life. The arrival of a baby or graduation. Usually these are planned key thresholds. Sometimes thresholds arise without our planning, like being in an era of COVID-19. And then there are numerous not so large thresholds of daily life the threshold between night and day. We say goodbye to sleep for a while and we rise to discover the new. There are parts of our day that require goodbyes, like getting off the computer so that a new experience can be discovered, perhaps outside. Even more minutely, within a breath cycle, there is a threshold between inhalation and exhalation. A threshold 
can be a place of pause, perhaps an ambiguous pause in which we are not ready or aren't sure of how to let go of certain things, certain ideas or ways of being in order to discover the new. Or maybe we aren't sure about the new thing that may await, so eh, we just stay here for a bit. It's familiar. Sometimes thresholds are negotiable to stay in and pause. Sometimes they're not. It was time for me to get familiar with some of the thresholds of my life. So I just took some time and I wrote them down, as many as I could think of, starting from my earliest memories to the present. This was a really helpful practice because it allowed me to first off name them and see that there are these moments in life that have an ending, a goodbye to how things have been, a middle threshold, this anticipation and pause in the liminal space, and the crossover to the beginning of something new. I highly recommend this practice. It offers clarity to many of our key thresholds, and through it, we gain insight into how we have moved through the transitions and their possible repeating patterns that shine light on how we might move through life now. I have a memory of when I was 11 years old, and I will not go into details for reasons I'll share later. The basic gist is that during a transitional time in my family, I was asked by an adult for insight about something of which I had inside information. And I had to tell the truth, even though I knew it would be heartbreaking for this person to hear. That moment showed me this person's willingness to risk appearing vulnerable in order to hear the truth. This felt like a threshold moment for sure. There was something new that I had witnessed in this person's vulnerability. And this person heard a truth that would change the course of their understanding. There has been no mention of that time with this family member since. So now, I'm recognizing that there's a related threshold on which I find myself. In order to tell the story in detail, required that I ask this person's permission to share it. For a couple weeks, I have wrestled with how I might approach this sensitive subject with this person. Was I willing to risk the change in relationship that might occur by bringing this subject up? Was I willing to possibly be rejected? Was I willing to expose something that has been so deeply buried that to bring it up may seem heartless and selfish? And how do I meet this person where they're at? I decided that our next phone call would not be the time that I would broach this sensitive subject. This would not be the time for crossing that threshold. So we got on the phone and it was conversation as usual. And it was conversation as usual. And I had to ask myself, was anything else needed? This has been the conversation for the many years we've known each other. And still we know the love for each other is there whether that hard conversation happens or not. I now stand on the threshold of risking entering into some other form of relationship with this person. One that involves asking deeper questions of life, ones that I wanna ask. One that involves getting underneath the surface of daily tasks and daily news. I am conflicted with many emotions. I think this is what John O'Donohue might be talking about. 
and I'm not ready to cross that threshold. I want to sit within it for a while and get to know its nuances. Listen for what it's telling me and be patient and compassionate with myself in not having figured it out. I guess I'm not ready to say goodbye to the security of the way things are between us. Yet, there is certainly a pull for me to know this person better and for me to be known by this person, which probably means at some point taking some healthy risks. For now, paying attention to what arises within the threshold is what I'm being called to do. And when I'm in conversation with this person, simply be present with them. This type of threshold feels negotiable because it's personal and because of this silent agreement between us and because neither of our lives are at risk in the process of not crossing the threshold right now. I can be with the emotions within this threshold and in time trust that I will be gently nudged into some new beginning, willing to risk the goodbye that it may require. We all have transitions in life that seem pretty clear. They have an ending, a middle threshold, and a beginning. But some th transitions are not so clear cut. We may discover that some thresholds we crossed over didn't quite have the new beginning we had hoped for or anticipated. Or maybe what we thought we were saying goodbye to didn't quite leave. Looking back on this transitional period in my family informed me about some thresholds that I still find myself on. There are thresholds that just hold a certain tension, ones in which a goodbye to a certain way of being may be a lifelong endeavor. Daily observation of how we are being with life is required and moving towards how we want to be with life. COVID-19 has provided opportunities for us to observe how we hold the tensions inherent within thresholds, especially when we're not really sure what the other side of this might look like or when it will happen. I'm sure many of us have been holding on to a hope of soon re reuniting face-to-face -face with our church community, friends, and family. If you are like me, you may have conjured up your own little timeline of temporarily saying goodbye to how things were and holding on to the hope of this will all pass soon and we'll be back together with newfound understanding from this historical blip. This Zoom thing, we can handle it for a few more months if we just hold on for a little bit longer. I only realized how tight my grasp was around this holding pattern after hearing the recommendation from UUA President Susan Frederick Gray to not meet until spring 2021. This was likely not the timeline any of us envisioned. And my threshold of simply holding on was not sustainable. Sometimes holding on is what is necessary and it is all one can do. And I do not want to undermine that. And for the heart to be passionately engaged and woken up, we must not just hold on. Thresholds require something of us, that we are not stagnant with them that our hearts are in it, receptive, awake. Whether we choose to cross over the threshold or take pause in it, if the heart is merely holding on, we limit our connection with life. So a good question might be, 
What am I holding on to? Taking pause within the threshold is good personal practice. And it works fine when life is not at stake. Its timing and rhythm are negotiable, a privileged luxury, really. So another good question is, what's at stake? What's at stake in the possible endings? What's at stake in crossing over the bridge to something new? What's at stake at being in the threshold? Some thresholds have a lot at stake and they require us to move beyond our comfort zones. I'm talking here about the non-negotiable thresholds that we must acknowledge and cross and the time is now. Why? Because lives are at stake. Because our individual and collective wholeness is at stake. Because we want to live with heart, not just clutch our hearts. And we want that for all humanity. Folks, it's been quite a week. Lately, we've had to reframe many of our thresholds. It is crucial that we take the time, center ourselves, and as O'Donohue suggests, feel all the varieties of presence that accrue in the thresholds. Hold them with care and compassion. Perhaps it's time to remember, to reflect back and name the key thresholds of our lives and what insights they might offer us now about how we might move in the world. It's time to be present. Let's listen inward, value what we're hearing inside and know it as part of a whole story. It's time to listen outward to whom and what needs to be heard and taken to heart and action. Let's lean into how we are being called to widen our vision towards healing and wholeness for our world. And finally, let's meet at the threshold, choosing to say goodbye to comforts that have kept us too tightly held. Hearts openly willing to risk for the sake of our humanity, for the sake of the world. We, the UU community, are dynamic and we are not giving up. In fact, we're just getting started and we are charged to continue to do the work that is necessary for our collective wholeness. May it be so, blessed be.
And now let us say the words to extinguish the chalice. And we invite you to blow out your own candle at the same time. We will paste the words, <coughs> uh, the closing words in the Zoom chat. Again, we will do this as a call and response. Johnson, hurry up. <laughs> we, we extinguish this flame. We extinguish this flame. But not the light of truth. But not the light of truth. The warmth of community. The warmth of community. Or the fire of commitment. Or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts. These we carry in our hearts. Until we are together again. Until we are together again. The benediction this morning comes from Darcy Roke. There is too much hardship in this world to not find joy every day. There is too much injustice in this world to not right the balance every day. There is too much pain in this world to not heal every day. Each of us ministers to a weary world. Let us go forth now and do that which calls us to make this world more loving, more compassionate, and more filled with the grace of divine presence every day. Amen.